This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. It is Friday, the 30th of June, 12.05 here in the studio. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm joined by... By who? (laughs) (laughs) By me, Roshan Kanesin. Yes, lovely Friday. It's not that lovely today, though, is it? I'm going back to the weather. We haven't done this in a while. You know, it's been at least two weeks, I think, since we looked out the window and talked about the weather. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit grey. It is definitely a bit grey. Oh, is that the tinting on our windows, Rich? I am not sure. It could be either. um, But anyway. We tint our windows with rose tinted uh, tint. That's why I've got these glasses on, if you might. So now you see, you've got got three entire world. You've got three layers of shade to look through. That's why everything's greyer, man. Okay. Anyway, enough about us. Uh, Enough (laughs) of rambling. Uh, Okay. So today's topic is. is, uh, something, I don't know, it's kind of been rumbling around in my head for the past couple of weeks. And um, I came across an article fairly recently. Uh, I forget where I saw it once. But it, it was the discussion about um, what startups know about PR uh, that uh, larger companies have forgotten, right? And so this kind of was stuck in my head and it was going around in my head. And then just a few days ago, I think it was, we saw that whole thing, that whole palaver with my burger lab, um, Name dropping, just a few things here. Hi, Randy. Uh, and what they'd done is they they were they were doing some promotional material, and they had chosen for whatever reason to use uh, AI generative art to produce some promotional material, and there was a bit of pushback against yeah, it. Yeah, they wanted to do um, what if Mike Burger Lab was in anime or something like that, Something right? like that, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, first look, I thought it was funny. I thought yeah. it was cute. I thought it was an interesting play on, you know, the trend that is generative AI. But yes. then when I looked at the reactions on Facebook, it was... Surprising, right? It was uh, not great. Right, right. And so that was there, uh, you know, and it was like, well, okay, well, this is a sm- fairly small company. You know, they can do all of these things. And then I got thinking, you know, what if this had been a bigger company and what kind of feedback would they have gotten? How would they have reacted? How would it have been different? Well, Rich, they would have had seven layers of teams to look through that messaging <laughs> that, before well, it went out. That is very likely. Yeah. Uh, and so, obviously, when scaling a business, it, it comes with new challenges. And one of those is, is managing things like external communications. And it's an irony that uh, as companies grow, uh, their communication strategy often stumbles. Not always, but often. Uh, it can become a little bit staled, uh, stale, rather, a little bit uninspired, perhaps. Uh, a glaring example of this was the, uh, I don't know if you remember this, the Silicon Valley Bank's major PR blunder. Mm-hmm, Do you remember mm-hmm. that, that press release? They basically issued a press release that was uh, 250 words of mind-numbing financial jargon uh, written for underwriters and no one else on the planet, perhaps you, Roshan, uh, followed by, uh, oh, by the way, we lost $2 billion. Now, Rich, was <laughs> that... Was that uh, were they speaking to the target market? Well, do you want me to right? read you a little bit? I can read you a little bit of it. Yeah, you please. Like. You do have oh, it. Okay. Hang on. I do have a little piece <laughs> here. But, you know, uh, just while you while you look for that part, um, it is interesting to see because so, sometimes it's also just, you know, as the bigger the company gets, yeah. uh, you know, startups are more nimble because you can trust the people that are working around you, right? You, everyone is basically handpicked. But the bigger you become, the more managers you have managing people. And then suddenly it's about bureaucracy and getting clearance and you're no longer the nimble pirate ship that you used to be. You've become the Death Star, you know, That's right. um, which is what, you know, Steve Jobs used to say all the time. And now look at what Apple is, right? In terms of everything is crystallized and, and everything is down to a T, you know? Okay. 
I now have this press release open in front of me, right? Bring it, let's go. I'm going to give you just a little piece of it. So Santa Clara, California, March 8th, 2023, slash PR, Newswire, SVB Financial Group, blah, 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 announced today that it intends to offer $1.25 billion uh, of its common stock and 500 million of depository shares, sharing of 10 million depository shares, each representing a 120th interest and a share of its Series F mandatory convertible preferred stock, quote, preferred stock, liquidation preferences, $1,000 per share, equivalent to a liquidation preference of $50 per depository share. In separate underwritten register... Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, but you see, it's about the demographic. <laughs> who, who, are they, who are they targeting this press release well, to? It's the underwriters, right? And It's just lost in... If, if you were releasing this to somebody like me... They're basically you, saying they were raising funds to cover their shortfall. Yeah, exactly. At the end of it, oh, by the way, we lost $2 billion. Is, is that should have been... Don't bury your lead, lah, is, is basically what I'm saying. Anyway, enough about that. So... We have with us today uh, to talk about some of these things. We have Eugenie Chan from Supergood. That's S-U-P-P-A-G-O-O-D. Uh, they offer a full range of PR services, influencer marketing, branding consultation, 360 degrees communication strategies, crisis communication, media coverage analysis, and content marketing, including stuff like LinkedIn. And Eugenie has been a strategic force behind hundreds of brands uh, from the likes, these are her words, by the way, uh, from the likes of tech startups like Uber and Socar to larger establishments like the Hilton and the Asia School of Business, uh, and whether or not she's uh, establishing, advising them on establishing thought leadership in the market and how to garner positive perception through strategic messaging. She believes the key to business success is communications and culture transformation from the top down. Eugenie, thank you for joining us today. Participate in a weather uh, conversation. Oh, okay, jump in, jump in, yeah, please. Yeah, How do you feel about that, the weather today? It's uh, just good because it's it's been so hot. Right. Okay, I'm also massively pregnant, so <laughs> yeah. uh, so that attributes to a bit of uh, you know feeling feeling really really hot uh-huh. all the time. Yes. Uh, which is great for really cold Chinese restaurants. Um, so that we, that works out. Now, uh, for folks at home, if you want to get in touch with us, zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine is the WhatsApp number. Get us on Twitter. We are at BFM Radio. If you have any questions, you want to join the conversation. Now, Eugenie, Mm. uh, you you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but startups are known to utilize creative approaches, uh, maybe because of their limited resources. Can large corporations adopt some of these strategies without compromising their established brand image? So first and foremost, let's just go back and establish what public relations is, right? And actually just now, whatever you mentioned out of um, the press release, that would have been an investor relations piece, right? right? Which is not, as you said, not targeted towards consumer. In fact, I don't think they did any communications with the consumer. And in fact, well, I'm sorry, I mean, of course, I was not there at that point. (laughs) So I would not know about that. You weren't there to advise them, Jeannie. No, I was not. Out of my roundhouse, to be very fair. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, I mean, very simply, when we talk about SVB anyway, that, you know, know, that's fraud and another whole kettle of fish, which is why they were quiet and totally understand. But okay, let's go back to, sorry, what is public relations? Okay, and there's a lot of people come up to me and say, "Oh, PR," and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, branding." This is this is two <laughs> right. words that yeah. come together all the time. Yeah. I just want to quickly clarify that b- branding. Uh, a lot of people think is just the clothes you wear, i.e., the way the logo looks, etc., mm. etc. Et um, but actually, the other part of branding is really crystallizing what your brand purpose is, mm. what your values are, what um, you know that part is. And I can tell you, most brands that I speak to, 
do not have this articulated right. at all. Right, um, which which serves as one of the bigger issue for the large corporations because they don't know where to go, they don't know what uh, playbook to look at because they it has not been crystallized. Mm, or mm. yes, there's a vision on the wall, there's a mission on the wall, but nobody can relate to it. Okay, so branding would be a subset of public relations, or is it a separate thing under communications? Maybe take us through some of that. No, I would say that. You know, whatever promotional stuff you do on the, that's the clothes that you wear kind of thing. But you use public relations to get across your heart, your message. And it, and, and the reason why PR is so convolute, convoluted, because it's just at the end of the day, it's like, and, and you know, you walk into a bar, right? Or you walk into a restaurant and you get treated badly. You call that bad PR. <laughs> it's actually bad customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything kind of like just lands on, hey, this is, this is your relationship with the public and you're messing it up, this is PR. Mm. Uh, when you could say to an extent it is, but a lot of times when we talk about public relations, we're talking about the relationship, especially with the media and reaching a larger audience in general and talking to your publics, right? And your publics, and this is where it gets a bit messy, is your consumer, is your investors, is your shareholders, is a bunch of people. And that's where you so, start to see it split up a little bit. Yeah. So PR at the end of the day is great for your brand. Um, and it is a chance for you to tell your story, get your brand across and the heart of your brand across, not just the clothes that you're wearing. Mm. So if you think about a person, you look at them from the outside. Oh, it looks great. And then you talk to them and you're like, oh, I don't think I want to be this person's friend. Uh, <laughs> the book has no substance, basically. <laughs> exactly. So. I think that it has to match, so right? Just going back to that earlier question that Rich asked, uh, Yuzi, um, startups are more nimble. They're able to move fast, break things uh, up to a certain extent. You don't want to be the size of Facebook and breaking democracy. That's a whole different thing altogether. So what, what differentiates a smaller company's ability to move fast, be more creative versus bigger companies who then you know become a bit more methodical, let's put it that way, or bureaucratic in the way they, they put out communications and public relations? So... <laughs> The face says it all. This is why we brought her in. This is why why we need video in the (laughs) room. Right, right, right. right. I'm just like, how do I tackle this? Okay, so let's talk about companies in general and their life cycle. So I did not come up with this. I think uh, Professor Loridana Padurian, who is from originally from Asia School of Business, one of my clients, uh, she talked about every company going through three different stages. Okay, when you start a company, you're in the nailing stage, right? You are really small. You're really nimble. It's usually a group of founders, you know, three or four people. You see a problem, you fix a problem. It's your it's your issue to fix, mm. right? Yeah. Um, then you have kind of established that, oh, this is what I'm good at. People are willing to pay for me for this. Uh, pay me for this. Great. Fantastic. Then we have time to, all right, let's ramp this ship up, right? And so then you've got your scaling, And that's where a lot of startups go very quickly from nailing to scaling. Um, And in the scaling stage, that's where your SOPs come in. Mm, mm. Uh, When you look at a problem, it's no longer an I problem, it's a we problem. And even even in a smaller team, if you have like even eight or 10 people, you're talking about a we problem. Um, And so you have to start the initial stages of hierarchy. And I've been through this before as well. And it's very painful for a 
for a nailer to have to deal with scaling <laughs> issues because it's a total different skill set. Actually, and then of course the one that you're talking about, which is the behemoth uh, you, sailing. It's imagine you're a tanker in the sea, right? And so that instruction needs to come down, and everything needs to be clear. And at this stage, again, are you public listed? Or are you not? Right? The risks are a lot higher. Mm. I would say also at the very beginning stage as well. The founders are usually involved still, mm. and now while the founder may not have articulated the message, he or she is there for you to say, "Hey, boss, what do I do?" And so they their innate values and beliefs are coming through whatever is said, and they can still have visual over. Yep, I love this campaign. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas when you reach a higher level, you can't respond as fast because. Oh, am I going through all the layers correct? And you've got all these little silos to get through. And not just that, yeah. you've got shareholders to look after, yeah. right? And because yeah. the goal of the company no longer becomes, well, basically one of the things, right, as uh, a company when you have shareholders is to make money for your shareholders. Yeah, yeah. Right? And when that happens, like things shift, things change. Right. I mean, I would argue that the goal of most companies is always to make money for shareholders, whether sure. they're publicly listed or not. Sure. Private companies still want dividends. I would also say that startups, the startup culture in general, when anybody goes to pitch to any investor these mm. days, it's all about, this is my purpose, this is my yeah. mission, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Whereas a lot of the larger companies have kind of lost or not as crystallized, mm, especially mm, when mm. you talk about a company for, let's just say, a family-owned business that's been running for 40 years. They've had a few changes. But that comes back that to your your founder, that soul, right, of that company. Um, if the founder doesn't really articulate or crystallize or set or codify what this company is about, then the next person will take it a different way and the person after that, which is, again, uh, why we see a lot of companies change once mm-hmm. the uh, founder is gone. Hold those thoughts, mm. the two of you. Right, we're going to take a short break. Folks, we've got some music coming up in just a moment. Uh, who've we got? Who've we got, Roshan? It is the Lemonheads. Yes, uh, we have the Lemonheads coming up in a few minutes with uh, If I Could if I could Talk, I Tell You. See, I can't read it. It's too far away and I have to, like you say, I have to look through seven layers. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you want to get in touch, 018-789-8899 is the WhatsApp number. Twitter, we are at BFM Radio. More from Eugenie and us when we come back after these messages. BFM 89.9. Busy following money trail, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio by... Roshan Karnesson. And... Eugenie Chan. Uh, so, of course, we are talking a little bit about PR. Just a little bit, right, Eugenie? Oh, well. Just a little bit. Just and a tiny bit. We yeah, kind can of speak s- for days on this topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kind of springboarded from this idea about how start what startups know about PR that some of the larger corporations have seemed to have forgotten, perhaps. We're, we're going to be exploring that in a little while. But, Eugenie, I just want to pick up on something. Like, and as we know, as businesses grow, right, as you kind of uh, referred to at the end of that talk, mm. say... Other things come into place. You know, processes become a thing, mm-hmm. um, which increases bureaucracy, potentially kills creativity and spontaneity. Is this something that's inevitable as a, as a company grows, do you think? No, actually, it's not. So, I, again, it just comes back to defining that communi- uh, what your tr- that purpose, right. right? And really articulating it. And then it's about building that culture around it. So, for example, let's take Nando's. They are, do exceptionally well in marketing in this area. And just because yeah. they've been empowered yeah. um, to an extent to be able to respond really quickly, really clever. And again, their principals or their you know, shareholders or whatever are open. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And they are supportive, and they know that okay, if this mess up, messes up, this just just the culture. This is what I've bought into. Is, is there something about that though that means that the uh, the PR company they have good trust in the PR company and they've built a, a decent relationship with them? I would like to think so. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think again, as we all know, uh, you. Until you work with someone, and that's where that trust and relationship grows as mm. well. And you have third parties. It's great to have third parties come in to help out, but you really need to choose wisely. Yeah. yeah. And, and have someone that really understands you and you mm. and obviously preferably somebody who's excited about your yeah, brand yeah. Um, which is why for us it's super good as well if I'm not excited of your brand I, I'll tell you very nicely that's um, S-U-P-P-A-G oh thank you thank you for that um, yes yes so when we you were talking about Nando's um, I, I just want to crystallize or clarify the fact that what you're talking about is that relationship between the original brand, right? So um, the franchise here in Malaysia has autonomy to go yeah. to localize mm. its marketing and have sure. a free run at that. Yep. Where else, you know, the, the the UK franchise might run it a bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, my any friend of mine who went to the UK and came back, it's always Cheeky Nando's and he was like, oh, what? Have I cheeky don't Nando's, mate. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And yeah. that, I guess that shows you the differentiation there. Um, but that also comes a lot with the principle ability to trust the franchisee in that country. I think trust is one thing, but they've obviously, uh, it's part of their brand DNA. Mm, that mm. they are cheeky, they are a little bit cute, and they're a little bit, you they're know. They're still rebellious. They're still a little bit rebellious. They're the rebellious chickens. <laughs> uh, you go to Nando's because you also live by that code. You also are a little bit rebellious. You love what they do. Hey, their chicken's going to taste better. I mean, another great campaign, uh, great brand that I absolutely love, all their campaigns but don't use their products. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Dove. Right. Ah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, Dove yeah. has such a strong, real beauty campaign that's been running for years. Um, and the latest one they've done, again, integrating AI, integrating, um, you know, the social messages that females uh, see on social media. So strong, so powerful, and quite controversial, actually. Mm. And again, it's just one of those things that, the market has embraced. Now, I have not gone back to look. I, I did not see this Burger Lab story, kind of like in my own little world here. But, um, you know, I do know Ren Yi. And uh, again, because he is a founder of the brand. Yeah. And because he has the, you know, he innately has those values in, in mind. And he's, you know, tasked. And again, clear, very clear communication channels in the sense that Renny is, although there are multiple co-founders, Renny is the yeah. spokesperson, yeah. for example. So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, Jeannie, because you know, smaller businesses have generally less to lose than the bigger businesses, the more structured ones, the MNCs, the, mm. the giants in the room, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the way... Apple operated when they were a tiny outfit. I mean, mm-hmm. when they were still pirates in a separate building. And today there are this one of the biggest companies on earth sure. and everything goes through a very specific process. I mean, watch any of the keynotes and you know the hand movements are a certain way. They don't, everything is calculated. Now, some might say robotic almost. Yeah, no, that, that's a completely fair yeah. uh, comparison, right? So it's 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 been codified and yeah. algorithm uh, made into an algorithm basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, if they were AI uh, virtual reality chat thingies we wouldn't mm. know and then did you see when Microsoft tried to emulate them back in the, the late 90s and they all came out Steve Barmer <laughs> was doing the whole thing it just did not work so because the brand is different and it's the execution now the thing is 
Apple's very consistent about yep. its brand. It's very careful about it. That requires work. It requires a long time to set in place. It's easier sometimes just to not communicate if you don't want to focus there uh, on on communication externally. So, um, is how much does this notion that bigger businesses have more to lose f- come into this narrative of okay, we'll only communicate when we absolutely need to. Otherwise, we don't want to communicate mm. with people. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I've turned down interviews with very big media houses and I'm like, oh, that was such an opportunity. <laughs> and uh, just out of fear, they're like, just no. And a lot of times they were not the founders, right? They are if somebody that's employed, they could lose their job. So, you know, there are lots of factors to consider. Mm. So what was our question again? How do you, how do you, how resistant are bigger companies to communicating um, mm. if they don't have to? A, a lot of them don't. A lot of them, don't. but again, it goes and does back it stem down for to this fear of uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, mm. because a lot of times they are they are hired right, they hire guns now. If again, which is why Elon Musk has gone out and said some really outrageous things, <laughs> which you know, Just say it mildly, <laughs> <laughs> which you're like, mm, can't, you don't have any control of that. Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare for any PR person to deal with. Actually, mm. uh, if you deal with the founders that are not willing to listen at all uh, and trying to contain and, and look at the perception, mind you. That being said, he's got his people who absolutely support him. You've got your fans. You've got the people who don't follow. You know that don't respond. But again, when, as you get bigger. Uh, you've got more parameters to look after. Uh, again, as I said, boils down to what is that culture. So again, Apple is known ve- and is very clear their messaging, which is that you know we are fighting against the machine, mm. although they are now the or, machine. Or used to anyway. <laughs> but it still is reflective in their think different, mm. right? If you look back to Steve Jobs' very initial kind of like ad that he was super proud of, which is a think different. We are the change makers. We are the this. It's still pretty much there. Yeah. Right. It's just that it's calculated to make sure that we're always there mm. to an extent. Although it's yeah, it's it's calculatedly so. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then so let, let's look, let's move around a bit. We have this idea of like um, structured corporate PR comms, and then you've got this you know this innovative creative comms from startups. How do they both play in, in shaping public perception? Uh, perception then. Rich. Well, I mean, you, you've got one kind of message coming from um, like companies like Microsoft, who are very mm. strict. And okay. then we have this other kind of messaging coming from the startups who are a little bit like, like you say, Nando's, that example. Do they, do we both have a, they both have space in the world. Yeah, right? but but because that's Microsoft's culture and Microsoft's brand DNA. Yeah. Right. Compared to Nando's, it's just different. Like M- Nando's is just that this playful, cheeky, you don't associate that with Microsoft. So it'd be really weird and, and that's what I was saying. Earlier on, when we were talking about yeah. uh, Apple, and then you got the, the Steve Barmer coming out trying sure. to emula- emulate Correct. what Apple... We were just like, this just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And how damaging is it to a brand when they try to do something, you know, out of their kind of box? Well, believe it or not, people are actually quite forgiving. Right. Okay. Or forgetful. It, that, oh, <laughs> yes. Unless they've been duped, right? And you know, ah, in a fraud case. Well, that's a bit different, right? I mean, you've been lied to, you've been cheated to, a bit different. But again, it's just about consistency, right? Having that very clear, this is what we do, this is who we are. And, you know, sometimes you go off kilter, but then that's where people, they, they return to their roots. Right. Right? And then when they return to their roots, that's when, you know, suddenly you've got a, ah, oh, finally I'm seeing the brand again or whatever, right? And and people start to love them again. So it's just establishing that. And sometimes it's natural. We are, you know, just as humans are, we, we go off track sometimes. 
and then we have that midlife crisis, and mm. then you're like, oh yes, that's right, I'm actually this kind of person. I don't need a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I don't need to. You don't need to. Yes, exactly. I don't need that red one. Anyway, for it. So, yeah. in contrast to startups, um, big companies often have bureaucracy and approval processes when they are looking to, you know, for any kind of thing, right? Um, is that an in the inevitable part of the process of a company growing up that these processes come into place because, let's say, the founder is no longer around, mm. the soul is no longer there, mm. um, that autonomy is now. Uh, well, diversified into management who may all have different uh, opinions on how to proceed. Um, is that an inevitable path, inevitable path for companies? I would say no. At the end of the day, if you have more money, more cash, there's more... Again, are you in there for the short haul and just completing, you know, just be there for your job? Or are you passionate about this brand and you want to grow it and take it to the next level and for it to live for the next 400 years? Right. And then that really just goes back down to the purpose and really getting clear on what is it that this company stands for? What are our beliefs? What is the values? And again, it needs to translate. And which is why, again, PR gets confused with every part of the company, because it is every part of the company. You can't go out and say one thing and then have a, a customer experience, for example, or yeah, whatever client or whether you're B2C or B2B have a customer experience that's, that is uh, contrary or yeah, in, in, in contrast to what you're trying to say, right? So that consistency needs to be there from top to tail mm. everywhere. And mm. then, of course, you need to have a consensus first mm. on what that is. <laughs> and if there's no consensus, then how is that going to trickle down? No way. I mean, one thing I've noticed about smaller companies, whether or not they're startups, is, is regular PR, uh, regular press releases, you know, small little milestones. Really? You know? Yeah. We get a lot here. Hmm. You know, this has happened and, you know, this guy's opening this and that guy's opening this and we're going to be doing this and we've hit 10,000 followers. And we get a lot of those kind of things. Do you think that's something that, um, I don't know, bigger corporations have kind of just think, well, we don't need to do that anymore? Yeah, sometimes you, you, if yeah. you've got that security, maybe you don't. And again, maybe the people that they need to communicate to are different. Maybe right. they're already, again, when you're thinking about startups, they're, nobody knows them, mm. right? And so they're doing anything they they're can. They're struggling so they to just think. And obviously, PR is still a more affordable route than taking out loads and loads of advertising, mm. right? So, yeah, I mean, there's ways to be creative around that. But at the end of the day, you need to be creative in your box. And if you have, uh, and when I say box, this box is your cultures, your values, your beliefs. And within that box, if that box is clearly defined and you're a huge corporation, then look at the beautiful, creative, spontaneous things that, say, the likes of Nando's and Dove can create, mm. right? Which is just, you know, changes perceptions, you know, makes a real impact in the world, so exciting to see. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, startups. And again, are you B2B or are you B2C? Mm -hmm. What industry are you in? So you could be a tech company, right? So I have quite a few tech clients as well. And at the end of the day, they have one big launch and that's it. I mean, that's not going to be a anybody interested in, okay, I have now beta 2.0 now <laughs> out, <laughs> ready, you know, or like, oh, we just put in one new feature. Nobody is interested anymore. I mean, I've already covered you. I've already covered your origin, what you're trying to do. What's uh, next? Unless it's something big, there's no point announcing exactly. it. Exactly. Right. So in that situation, I would say, okay, what can we create? Right. 
Okay. So that's the beauty of being able to create, say, a campaign or whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, take a short break, folks. I will be back in just a minute. Uh, of course, you are tuned into Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9. If you do have anything for us, get us via WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and Twitter. We are at BFM Radio. We'll be right back. Big, friendly, matcha. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. It's me, Rich Bradbury, in the studio with... Roshan Kennison. And... Eugenie Chan. Where are you from, Eugenie? From Supergood, spelled ha- S-U-P-P-A-G-O-O-D. <laughs> and the reason we bringing, keep bringing it up is because somebody did approach me uh, much later uh, after the last time I was on and could not find us. So, so, so that's your branding. And am I doing your PR right yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely. Is that how it works? Okay. Amazing. <laughs> now, uh, we're talking a little bit about what startups know about PR that large corporations seem to forget. We've been having a... a quite a good discussion so far. I hope so. Yeah, very good. Now, earlier, uh, Eugenie, I was talking about, um, you know, how a lot of the startups kind of, they send us all these little updates as they're going through things. Now, uh, PR for... Do you pick pick those up? I do. I mean, I I pick those up and I respond to them via email. Sure, but you don't talk about it on the radio. Not very often. I mean, but when something comes through, I I wouldn't say, let's say, for example. Mm. I mean, our colleagues at News would do so, right, during the bulletins, depending on the release. uh, Because we're not necessarily news, we're commentary on big issues like we can't right. have a if you had 10,000 users not like we can have a 20 minute discussion about that Correct. right I mean it might just be for example at the beginning of the show oh we right. hear one of our favourite brands has suddenly found they've suddenly got 500,000 followers or they've suddenly got a million followers that might come in as part of a talk set so, oh you know did you hear it might mm. but generally not if they were releasing a brand new product then I'd talk about however, it however if it was a public listed company well, and they were and they, see, their announcements are very different. Right. And I would also say that the tech startup world, and you, again, you are the tech desk. Yeah. So you get this kind of tech news. Yes. Nobody else gets this news. Yeah. And um, this is where tech startups tend to be in their own little bubble. Mm, mm. Right? They always think, they say, yeah, I've been featured everywhere. I'm mm. like, really? Like this person down the street has no idea who you are. Right? Because they're... Again, there's so many tech startup type portals um, that cover specifically tech startup news. Mm. But the where they struggle the most, actually, in terms of tech startups is getting into the more mainstream media, especially if they are a consumer. Yeah. Uh, it, especially if they're not a consumer product. Yeah, but I guess that also speaks to the target demographic as well, right? The niche. If it's a very specific tech product, you may not want to be... I mean, the aim may not be to be uh, mass appeal, so I guess it also comes back down to how new they are, what kind of niche they're looking at as well, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. <laughs> that's a convincing. Uh, that's like a, it's like, uh, Roshan, how do I tell you that you're wrong nicely? <laughs> but I, I mean, I'll give you an example for, you know, I obviously I do the tech show on a Thursday and I keep getting many, many pictures from companies that all pretty much do the same thing, sure. right? Cloud computing, edge sure. computing, one th- and unless you know what that is, unless you have an interest yeah. in that, you will not necessarily hunt down or even hear about that show because it's not on your radar at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And so, anyway, but I, I want to move on. 
Oh, we, we mentioned this earlier. Uh, sorry, go on. Now, I was going to say that's the job of the PR professional, Correct. actually, to kind of like look at your clients. Okay, look, you've done this. Like, it's been already be featured all these 20,000 times already. In one iteration or another. It's not interesting at yeah. all. Yeah. But what can we do to make it interesting? Yeah. And if you have a little of uh, some money, that helps. Right. To kind of create something. In fact, while you I have I mean? you here in the studio, right? Mm. Let's imagine mm-hmm. asking for a friend. A sure. PR company has sure. pitched at me and okay. how do I politely refuse or communicate to them? We've done this topic a million times, you know. Yeah. What do I say to them? I, I have had well just be just be blunt. We can take it, man. Right. Well personally anyway. I'm just like, look, your your <laughs> your angle sucks. Change it up. All right. Like right. give me some give me something new. This is not new at all. I want some more meat and potatoes on my plate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And 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 then and then they'll have a double take and think about it and they'll they'll hopefully talk to their client and say like, look, this it's not interesting. Okay. What can we do? Let's go back a little bit then. And we we're talking about the idea of um you know, smaller companies, startups promoting not just their services, but, you know, founders, brand mm. ambassadors, that kind of yeah. thing. Is it, Should bigger companies be looking into doing stuff like that? I mean, you, you mentioned Elon Musk and him being the cause of many PR nightmares. <laughs> yeah, he should just be shut down. Right. Right. And Donald Trump, too. I mean, should, he should they, should not say anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Eugene, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, I know, right? I do, you know, I have this argument all the time. <laughs> So is there a we such all, thing as we, bad publicity? Would you vote for Trump if he were in the States? Ah, but he, there are people who do, know, which means I there know. is a market there, correct? I know, I know. Half, half the country voted, almost half the country I voted know. for him in the last election. So this is not that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but what it is, let's take a business lens to it. Uh, there is a target demographic absolutely. that... That listens to him. For sure. But let's go back to the question. Should larger companies <laughs> shift their PR strategies, you know, to promoting, you know, their, their, their CEOs or their keepers? I, I would say yes, definitely. I yes. think that's an area that has been very overlooked. Right. Uh, I'm now more and more going into kind of like CEO profiling, CEO branding. That's actually always part of it because you don't want to hear from, I mean, obviously, uh, for any media, they are more interested in talking about the founder mm. or the main researcher mm. or the fellow who has actually invented the thing. But as right? a media professional, I don't want the CEO in the studio just because he's CEO. You know, I want somebody mm. who can help communicate that message. Absolutely. And it also helps if that CEO has a personal brand as well right. that they can bring to the table, right? So, Like Elon or Donnie. Sure, right. sure. Donnie. You know, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> controversial but hey you've got something to say so what is your point of view so a lot about PR is all about thought leadership yeah. right uh, when yeah. we think about PR we think about thought leadership yeah. I think that would be I mean that's my perspective of it anyway again depending on which industry but actually whichever industry you're in uh, there is always uh, an avenue for for thought leadership because Otherwise, why do you exist, right? I mean, mm. like you're trying to do something different. You're trying to help people. You have a particular philosophy you're bringing to the table. You're adding value to the world. Don't you want to talk about it? Mm, mm. You know, um, you know, there's only so much that a an ad or a you know whatever you do can kind of like go across. But uh, ultimately, hearing and having somebody articulate what they're trying to do in a different format just reaches to different people, and you're able to put your brand across in a way that the other mediums just can't, right? right? Because you're hearing, you know, what this company is all about and what they're doing and and then everything else makes sense. 
Go on. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> startups often are more successful in managing narrative, right? Because they're a bit more smaller, maybe a bit more control again from the soul of the company who's often sure. the founder. Uh, so they can help maybe... Uh, managed uh, public perception a little better during a crisis. So what strategies can larger organizations learn from startups during uh, crises, PR crises, for example? Well, generally speaking, if you are a larger company as well, you would have much bigger crisis to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess and it's relative. not forgetting, you have so many more layers that you need to go uh, through. Mm. And uh, my recommendation is, and I don't do any crisis comms actually for companies that are not already my client because I don't know them well enough. I can't, you know, help to craft or try to help them with their situation. I don't know their brand enough, you know. And so the best way for, again, different if you're a startup. And when I speak with clients that are startups, I'm speaking directly to the founder. Mm. Usually, when I'm dealing with larger corporations, I'm dealing with a marketing manager. Mm. There's a big difference. Mm. Uh, and so it's also what communications and marketing manager with the CEO and then CEO, again, are they the founder or not? A lot of times in Malaysia, anyway, they're not. Uh, sorry, I digress. Planning. Preparation. That is the key for in fact, any organization, but even more so if you're a large corporate because you've got so many parts to play. So we have this thing called, uh, you know, what do we call them? Crisis table talks kind of thing. Crisis, yeah, crisis table talks where you get all the main stakeholders in a room. You identify, say, two scenarios where it could go horribly wrong. Somebody dies or, you know, you're stuck. You know, you made a silly mistake. What are you going to do about it? And the first thing is, just in talks about internal communications, like who flags this up? Mm. What, at what level does it come up? Like which level is this escalated or not? And just having a, 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 a scenario where everybody's around the table and decides and sorting out the kinks before the actual thing happens, right? Mm. Now, it may not happen the way that you've imagined, but at least you have some basis of, okay, I'm going to talk to this person. We're going to send out a directive to the to all our employees. We're going to tell them X, Y, Z to make sure that nobody panics. We're going to issue a press release or not. We're going to engage who, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Eugenia, we've got to wrap up. We're going to have to get you back here to talk more about this another time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And have an SOP with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Of course, that was Eugenie Chan from Supergood. Uh, they offer a full range of PR services, influencer marketing, branding consultation, 360-degree communication strategies, all kinds of stuff. Mm. Look them up on the internet. Supergood. Supergood. S-U-P-P-A-G-O-O-D. Roshan. Yes, Rich. Did you learn anything today? <laughs> I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And it was a fun conversation, very back and forth, a lot of energy and a lot of, I mean, insights, right? Because at the end of the day, it's, it really is relative to the business you are. The bigger you are, the more you have to codify the way your mm. brand communicates externally because the founder's not around to be that barometer anymore. So you have to codify it. So yeah. in an era where there's no Steve Jobs and no trusted lieutenant who was around Steve Jobs anymore, um, you have to codify your communication language. That's right. And the smaller you are, again, the more you need to make some noise. 
Indeed. With that note, we have to wrap up for today's show. Uh, do download the podcast wherever you normally download it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. But don't go anywhere. We've got the Breakfast Grill, uh, Breakfast Grill replay coming up just after the one o'clock news. Founded in 2016 as a business process management company, Day 3 has been competing with the big boys like TD, uh, CX, VADS, uh, Skycom and Aegis. How have they been faring? What inroads have they made? And what is their market share? That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. To take us up there, we've got some music by Muse here on Enterprise on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.